shock and wind strong epic epic music right there the free weed song and you are now listening to episode 19 an an epic episode with all kinds of cool stuff we got all kinds of cool stuff right mike we have a couple of cool things we are fortunate this week yeah uh we got david grisman who in case people don't know uh was a friend of jerry garcia's and also uh quite a string player in his own right. Yeah, he's a world-renowned mandolin player. He, he uh, played with uh, Jerry Garcia in the last years of Jerry's life. And then uh, the Grisman-Garcia uh, combo put out some <clears throat> great uh, folk music back in the 90s. So we talked to him a little bit. He's right also on. a grower and a medical patient. That's awesome. And I love the way, you know, we've got you know, Grateful Dead stuff. We've got hip hop stuff. We've got reggae stuff because that's what cannabis does. It transcends genres. And so, you know, we'd like to teach uh, people about all these different, wonderful, uh, amazing styles of music. So we're excited to have Mr. David Grisman on the show. Uh, we got our usual cultivation stuff, right? I mean, we got strain of the week. Uh, we've got the grow questions, questions and answers, answers. Yeah, and, and uh, a special segment, right, with Rick Cusick again, but this one's going to be about how to beat a drug test. Yeah, so. associate publisher Rick Cusick comes in and explains how you at home can beat a drug test if you have to. So that's exciting. And uh, even at the end, a little thing with uh, Mr. Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead. So we've got a double dose of dead. Yeah, we sure do. Right on. Well, uh Without further ado, let's get let's get into it. What uh, well, let's what's... let's get into it. Indeed, I have a couple of uh, of points of business to uh, <laughs> visit this uh, at the top of this show. So I, I come in this morning to the office. I walk into Danko's office to talk to him about the show, and I see this uh, this poster. It's the periodic table of stuff stoners like. So basically, it's the periodic table of elements. But instead <laughs> of elements, there are different things that stoners like. We have it up right now on the wall. Yeah, it's, it's the bu- periodically changing periodic table of stuff stoners like. And, and you made the periodic table. I did. I did. I have an interview on that website as well. Good buddies over there, stuffstonerslike.com. Very funny, very, uh, very interesting and cool pot uh, photos, pot. You know, just all kinds of cool stuff that they have. And, yeah, they put together this periodic table, and lo and behold, down there uh, at the bottom, there's me. Yeah, we're going to take a picture and put it up on Twitter. So if you're listening to this, it's probably available now. Go check that out, at Danny Danko. Uh, But you were sandwiched uh, between Mark Emery and Uh Ed Rosenthal. You were number 99, which Uh people might be interested to learn if this was actually the periodic table of elements, that would be Einsteinium. Wow. Which is not bad. Yeah, High Times Magazine made the list here too at HT. Uh, And, you know, I mean, I can only say that I'm honored that they would have uh, chosen me to accompany um, the likes of Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, Willie Nelson, uh, Ricky Williams. And a friend of the show, Rob Cantrell, made it at number 95. Yeah, Cantrell made it. uh, Ngayo made it. 
uh, as well, which is cool. Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan. Onion rings, bacon, yeah. <laughs> mac and cheese. I believe Count Chocula is on there. Oh, yeah. This is funny. It's cool. And uh, it mimics the actual periodic table of elements as well, which is cool. So how does it feel to be a, uh, a periodic element? thing that stoners like? It's awesome. You know, it's awesome. I think, you know, it's an honor and it's... You know, it's just uh, to get that kind of recognition is great. So check out stuffstonerslike.com and uh, order yourself one of these periodic tables. Thank you for sending me this out, guys. You have Danko on your wall. All right. Uh, second thing I just wanted to talk about real quick. Now, um, people who listen to the show uh, might know that back a couple episodes ago, I uh, was shaking my fist in the air and saying, somebody please contact me if you didn't like the Herb Brooks speech that you did about spot your mites. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was given this amazing piece of fodder here. I, 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 somebody gifted me a letter that I really could torture you with, right? And I'm reading this thing, and by the end of it, I actually took your side. So let me, let me just read this letter to the listeners real quick, and maybe they agree with me. This is, um, this is from a, uh, a listener. He writes... I just wanted to say that I was listening to episode 16, I think it was yesterday, and I was really disappointed. It was the Dear Danko section. Someone asked a question about spider mites, and instead of helping and answering the question, Danny wasted the opportunity to go on some arrogant, self-indulgent rant about an obscure movie that only he seems to care about. I, I hope that you have more respect in the future for your listeners who have legitimate concerns and questions. I haven't listened to episode 17 yet, and I don't know if I'll waste my time now. It would be nice to hear an apology to the guy who was looking to Danny for some help but only got blown off. Now, okay, so for those of you at home who may not uh, know what I'm, what I'm referring to when I read this letter, here's a little sample of the speech that Danko did back in episode 16 that's so controversial. Great harvests are born from great opportunities. And that's what you have here tonight, Dave. That's what you've earned here tonight. One grow. If we grew ten times, the spider mites might win nine. But not tonight. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great time these spider mites are having. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and grow some weed. I see where you're going there. I get what you're doing. It's, you know, it's funny if you get the movie, you get the reference. He didn't even get to the episode in which I asked for this kind of... Look, here's the thing. I didn't like the speech because I, I didn't think it was particularly hilarious, but... Uh, we got a ton of good feedback on, we got it, a lot of on Twitter, and you know, I'd like to keep, keep things funny and, and right. different. I, I think and that's... yeah, you know, I didn't answer the spider mite question, but, you know, the, no. the podcast is free, and we have answered that question <laughs> the price before. Is right. We no, have answered I... the question before, and you know what? Get some neem oil and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, spray, spray it. <laughs> no, I've got to just say, just to wrap this up, I was He's asking. obviously a Soviet. That yeah, guy. yeah. He he was rooting yeah, for the Soviets. Mad that's what, that the that's Soviets what it lost is. that game. Right, I agree. No, just to, just to wrap this up, I I was asking for people who maybe didn't think it was that funny, but I was only I was hoping that everybody would view it with a sense of humor. Uh, you know, we like to keep this show a little light. We want to help you with your cultivation information, but we also want to entertain. And I think Dan was trying to do that with the speech. So yeah. please do send me stuff that'll help me rag on Dan. But uh, also, please, yeah, maybe maybe don't take some of the stuff on here too seriously. 
it's difficult to please everybody, both the, the person who's just a marijuana enthusiast and the hardcore grower. What we try to do is have a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. We don't always succeed. And, I mean, something for everybody. Look, we got Grisman. We've had Currency. We, we got Reggae. We're mixing it up as much as we can. As much as we can. Everybody smokes and everybody, everyone should grow. Free weed is what you make it. And we even – you know what we do with the text? We implemented the time code thing. So if you don't want to listen yeah, to us ramble, go you to can the jump section. right to the section you want to – why am I defending you? I didn't like the Herb Brooks speech. <laughs> what, what's happening to me? I don't, I don't like know. this at I'm all. I'm growing this on is, you. You are I'm growing on me. Like a fungus. Just like a fungus. All right. That's all I got. <laughs> Episode 19, boom, bop. Here we go. If you're like me, you've always wanted to have your own custom rolling papers with your design on them. Now is the time to get them from customherbalpapers.com. Whether you have a dispensary, a business, a seed company, a anything, this is a perfect way to promote your business. You go to customherbalpapers.com or you send an email to info at customherbalpapers.com and you order, uh, I think it's about a minimum of 5,000 packs. But you're getting them for 65 cents a pack. Now, you can either charge a dollar, two dollars for these packs, or you can give them away as promotional materials depending on how you feel about it. But if you call these guys now at Custom Herbal Papers, if you send them an email or go to that website and you mention free weed from Danny Danko, you will get 5,000 free stickers with the purchase of 5,000 packs of rolling papers. And these are stickers that are sized perfectly to go on a lighter, a, a regular And now, big... are these stickers your business? They're the same exact design that you put on the rolling well, papers. that's great. Then you could put them up and promote your business? That's, yeah. really, that's a nice thing. You could promote the business with the stickers. You could put the stickers on lighters and sell the lighters. So you have a number of op- opportunities. But like I said... It's really just always a, a great idea to have promotional materials for whatever it is that you do. Or maybe you're just a grower who's got some money on their hands. But definitely send an email to info at Custom Herbal Papers to get the template, to get your artwork on there, and to finally get your own herbal rolling papers with your own design. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mike, and I'm speaking with a renowned mandolin player, composer, and producer, David Grisman. Um, David, thanks so much for uh, joining us on Free Weed. Oh, hey. Um, it's my pleasure. <laughs> right on. Well, I had the, uh, the pleasure of uh, seeing you perform recently with your uh, folk jazz trio at City Winery here in New York City. Um, it was a great show, and, and it struck me as a very intimate vibe, I think in part because your son Sam plays bass in the band. What's it, what's it like uh, playing with him and touring with him? Well, you know, uh, we, we're, it's a lot of fun. Uh, he's got a, a, a real gift there, and, uh, you know, he's... Um, been working on it since he was about four years old. You know, I get you know, he's my boy, but he, uh, you know, he he also holds down his his end of things, and uh, um, you know, it's a, a lot of fun. Uh, well, it's it's really evident. Obviously, uh, music runs in the family. Uh, I read somewhere that your father played the trombone. How, how did you discover the mandolin? 
You know, I discovered bluegrass music around 1960. In fact, uh, in, in 19, you know, next year will be the 50th anniversary of my, uh, uh, more or less, my career in uh, music. I recorded uh, my first uh, album was called the uh, Even Dozen Jug Band uh, for Electra in 1963. It's amazing. Do you have anything special planned for the uh, the anniversary? Well, yeah, I'm planning. Uh, you know, I have uh, the Acoustic Oasis website where I'm, I'm able to release all kinds of things uh, as downloads. Uh, and I'm planning, uh, one thing I'm planning is a kind of 50-year retrospective. I'll have a, a, a track from every year. And I'm also thinking about trying to uh, help reunite the Even Dozen Jug Band. Oh, wow. Uh, because I believe everyone is still on planet Earth. <laughs> uh, it helps for a reunion, so, yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and uh, see if I can help facilitate that. Um, but just, hey, <laughs> just, uh, you know, making that uh, 50th anniversary will be enough in itself. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Uh, well, you know, uh, your your style, I guess, uh, it it brings together so many different styles and genres of music from, you know, jazz and folk and bluegrass. And uh, it's sort of come to be known as dog music. Um, can you maybe just describe dog music for some of our listeners who may not know about it? Well, dog is a nickname that I got from Jerry Garcia a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I... I like all, all kinds of music, and I, I also realize that, uh, you know, I could pretty much play anything uh, on the mandolin uh, if I could, you know, find the notes. And um, so, I, you know, I have a great interest in jazz and swing and Latin styles, and I got into Indian music uh, early on, and uh, uh, you know, rock and roll, uh, rhythm and blues, funk. I, eventually, I was writing tunes that weren't really bluegrass, and uh, but that was okay. You know, waltzes, uh, sambas, bossa novas. You know, I imagine that's a, there's a lot of freedom in that kind of uh, ideology. Really well, it's freedom, but there's you also have to uh, kind of know what what the components of these styles are. So right. You have, you know there, there's freedom, but you know it has to be disciplined freedom. It's it's interesting that you uh, you mentioned the discipline that's necessary. Um, there's a terrific documentary uh, called Grateful Dog, and I believe that was directed by your your daughter uh, Jillian. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. actually, it even uh, features a young Sam, if I'm not mistaken, kind of growing yeah, up. Yeah, he's the... a little baby running around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but exactly. it's it's a terrific documentary. If, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, go go see it. Grateful Dog. Um, uh -huh. It sort of traces how you and Jerry. 
uh, kind of came together and then rediscovered each other later in life and just created some tremendous music. But in, in the documentary, you're portrayed as the more serious-minded musician sort of in the studio while Jerry is more into improvisation. And uh, yeah. was that your dynamic outside of the studio as well? Well, actually, you know, I think uh, in the studio... I think we kind of had a little role reversal there mm. um, because I, I I think, you know, when you collaborate with somebody, I'm part of that subliminal part of that process is you're trying to accommodate them and they're trying to accommodate you. So in a way, Jerry more often than not would say, let's do that again. Really? Yeah, I screwed that up. Let's do, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. whereas I was trying to be looser and more improvisational, if you will. To sort of accommodate him. Yeah, <laughs> or, or just, you know, it, it's even, you know, more subliminal than that. It, it's kind of just, a, you know, not thinking about it so consciously, but I think that's what what happened every time we got together. Well, whatever you guys did, it really worked. would sort of be, you know, uh, I can loosen up now, you know. Yeah. Uh, just, um, and he probably was thinking, well, I should tighten it up a little bit. Anyhow, it worked because yeah. <laughs> we, we both, had, you know, came out of the same kind of generation and the same, you know, there were a whole bunch of, of urban kids that, uh, you know, discovered all these various kinds of American roots music in the late 50s, early 60s, and just uh, immersed themselves in it. You know, we liked, you know, he'd name a song and chances are I would know it and vice versa, you know, even though we never played the song or, you know, just something, you know... Well, it's interesting you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the traditional ballads. Um, what I think is fascinating about the collaboration you had with Jerry was that you sort of passed on this really rich uh, musical tradition uh, through your discovery and reinterpretation of those works. It, it passed it on to a generation that probably wouldn't have discovered it otherwise. And is that a thrill for you, being able to do that and sort of pass the, um, the music on? Well, um uh, yeah, <laughs> if that's what's happening, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of sad that, you know, uh, you know, that so much great music has been created in, in America, uh, especially in the last century when it could be recorded. And, um, you know, when you think of all these styles, you know, country music, Old time music, bluegrass music, rock and roll, jazz, I mean, uh, blues, I mean, all this stuff is, is our uh, American musical heritage. And it just, uh, you know, we shouldn't need people like Jerry and I to turn people on to it. They should be growing up with this stuff. It's all being dismantled day by day, month by month, year by year, by the music business. You know, it's very depressing to me to think about that. But, uh, uh, you know, in, to counteract that, uh, you started the independent label Acoustic Disc back in 1990. 
Um, Can you discuss the importance of that label and acoustic music in general to you? Well, um, you know, basically it was, uh, you know, I I had been recording for uh, major labels, you know, Warner Brothers and MCA, and uh, MCA had given me an ultimatum. They were going to drop me, but they said, uh, you know, if you send us a tape of what you're planning to record, we'll we'll wait a couple of weeks to to decide if we want to drop you. And I said, hey, you know, it's just more of the same stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Drop me now, you know. Right. Uh, And um, so I didn't have a a record company, and I uh, coincidentally was uh, building a studio in my basement. And by that time, I had been a record producer as well. You know, I, I figured, well, you know, it's time to get in this game myself. And uh, fortunately, Jerry, uh, we put out the first record, Dog 90. It was uh, I was ready to make my own my own next record mm-hmm. of dog music. And uh, Jerry called up one day out of the blue. We hadn't played in 13 years, and he said, "Hey, we uh, let's get together." And, and he showed up at my house and. Uh, walked in and said, hey, you know, I know what we should do. We should make a record, and it'll give us an excuse to get together. So I said, wow, I just built a studio, and I'm just forming it. I just started a record label. He said, great, we'll do it for you. And wow. that was really uh, <laughs> what enabled uh, Acoustic Disc to, you know, exist, really, because we probably wouldn't have made it without that. It was just a very casual thing but uh it was the start of you know 44 sessions that would take place over the next five years and uh you know uh, we've released i think six or seven cds out of that material and actually uh i'm working right now on uh, a series of uh, high definition downloads um actually um a better fidelity than CDs, uh, 24-bit, 96K downloads, which, um, it, it, you know, all computers will play. And that be through uh, um, AcousticOasis.com? Yeah. And so I've been going through the Garcia Grisman archives and remastering uh, those uh, original releases, and and I decided to look for alternate takes, Um uh, uh, in that material and uh the first garcia grisman record there'll be a complete alternate album along with it wow uh that sounded good a good take of every tune on there and different too jerry plays totally different we both do and the arrangements are different and it, it's uh i think uh fans of that music will appreciate this stuff and uh you know so i've you know it's it's really great having this outlet. The, you know the the idea of of uh, having a product that you don't have to manufacture really appeals to me. Uh, so uh, you know that's that's what I put a lot of energy into nowadays. Well, uh, is there like a, a date that is coming up, or is it still kind of? Um, 
You know, that stuff should be coming along within the next, I'd say, month or two. Wow. I've also released uh, expanded versions of albums, like the, pizza, the extra large pizza tapes. Mm, yeah. The pizza, pizza tape was a, a jam, a studio jam session with Jerry, myself, and Tony Rice. And uh, it was never intended to be released, really. Uh, you know, we were just doing it for the fun of it. And somehow a cassette tape got played on WBAI. And uh, it it got bootlegged, and after a few years, I was convinced to release the official version. So I released one CD, uh, about 75 minutes long. And, and uh, a year or two ago, I on the Acoustic Oasis, I put out the 170-minute version of it, the extra large, so three CDs worth. And uh, that's the great thing about downloads, you can... You can put the, any length. Uh, actually, there's a, you know, having my own studio enabled me to, uh, you know, just rec I'd record things just for the heck of it. And, and um, for example, John Hartford came to visit for a few days, and we just made some tapes. I'm going to be releasing that, and then I, <clears throat> I always recorded more than I was going to use, so I have a huge repository you know, 50 years worth of accumulating material. So I figure now, yeah, and a lot of it's really good. I mean, you know, I'm not going to release any anything that's unsuitable for right. human ears, you know. That's very kind of you. A lot of the talking and, you know, commentary, that's what uh, a lot of people found really endearing about the pizza tapes. I was going to say, uh, yeah, the interactions on, on the pizza tapes, that. yeah. Uh, I think people are interested in that kind of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's all very organic. But uh, you know, I've learned how to record acoustic music. I mean, part of the reason I love acoustic music is, uh, first of all, it, uh, you know, uh, it's so personal. Um, you know, with all the thousands of violin players that you know, you hear, you know two bars of Stefan Grappelli and you know it's him. You hear two bars of Vassar Clements, you know it's him. Uh, you know, you hear Bill Monroe, you know it's him. So it, it just, to me, the acoustic, playing an acoustic instrument allows much more personal expression than uh, electronic instruments. And you do notice at your shows, you do create an environment where people are really sitting and listening. You know, the the levels, I guess, or something about the music. It's just an intimate show, but people are just, you know, riveted and listening the entire time. It's great. Well, yeah, not 100% of the time, but... Uh, <laughs> well, I guess... <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, hey, it's what I love to do, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty much all I know how to do, you know. I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, everybody who's familiar with your work, uh, they know that your nickname is Dog. Uh, most people know that Jerry gave you the nickname Dog. But I haven't met too many people who know uh, the story there. Uh, could you explain how you came to be known as Dog? Well, you know, we were playing, uh, we had a band called Olden in the Way for about a year and a half. Played bluegrass music, which is very uh, informal, local Marin County thing, although we did one tour on the East Coast, and 
Uh, we were all living, uh, that is Jerry, uh, Peter Owen, and myself were all living in Stinson Beach, California, a little uh, seaside village. And uh, Jerry and I, Jerry had a Bentley uh, automobile and uh, with the steering wheel on the right side. And uh, we were stopped at a stop sign in Stinson Beach. And I, and this is something I had forgotten about. Jerry actually, uh, we this came up one day when we were working in the studio, and he told me this, and I didn't remember it. But <laughs> he said he looked past me and saw this dog on the sidewalk, and just uh, I became dog, you know. Simple as that. And, uh, that band, everyone had a nickname. Uh, John Conn was nicknamed Mule. Pete Rowan was Red. Uh, Jerry was Spud Boy. <laughs> and Vassar Clements was Clam. So, you know, it just was a nickname. And, and um, you know, when I made my first quintet record in 1976, um, I was... I realized uh, this this isn't really bluegrass music, and I didn't I didn't want to mislead people into thinking uh, it was bluegrass music. So I just figured if I had my own name for the style of music, you know, that would help people understand it was you know something different, uh, and also to avoid having to ask what you know how. People were asking, well, how, what is this music? How do you describe it? I figured if I had a name, I wouldn't have to answer those questions. Of course, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, people like but, me are uh, still asking you. Know, you. <laughs> uh, I've always been a nonconformist. You know? mm -hmm. uh, it's been big in my outlook. So, in fact, that's probably why I became a mandolin player. Because, right, right. You know, hardly any other mandolin players around. Well, it definitely helps that you got uh, the nickname Dog as opposed to Spud Boy. You know, Dog's a pretty cool nickname. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what's in a name? You know, Shakespeare said it. You exactly, know? yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for Lennon and McCartney, a beetle would be a bug, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but speaking of uh, of names, um, there's a strain of pot called Chemdog. Uh, oh, yeah, really? Wow. Yeah, and it was originally, uh, we had spelled I'll it originally. i celebrating my 50th year of that, too. There you, oh, 50 Next years of smoking, year. is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've never been in a traffic accident, either. Well, are you are you a medical patient out in California? Yeah, yeah. I've got my uh, recommendation, yeah. What do you think of the scene out there, the, the medical marijuana scene? Well, you know, um, you know, I think I think it's all a good thing. I know a lot of growers are not into it. Um, it's you know, um, you know, I think it's all. I think the whole movement has made a lot of progress, in you know, in terms of awareness and and kind of demystifying the. You know, I'm all for decriminalizing. And I just, uh, you know, Pat Robertson just came out. I know, wasn't that amazing? <laughs> and of course, I just read something by Bill Bennett. You know, you know, saying how this is Pat Robertson is all wrong about this, and you know, uh, 
you, you know, uh, hey, you can abuse anything. If you drink enough water, you'll drown. You know, relative to alcohol, marijuana is really a benign substance. But, you know, I think different, you know, tokes for different folks, you know. People have different metabolisms. You know, some people, uh, my wife Tracy loves the smell of it, but doesn't, you know, doesn't smoke at all. Mm. Um, You know, basically, I think it's great that I can grow up to 30 pounds of pot in my backyard and to, uh, uh, or rather 30 plants. I was about to say, my and goodness. That's <laughs> three pounds, that's what I'm told. Uh, so you, you actually grow? Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. tremendous. Yeah. Um, yeah, we heard the two police officers move two doors down the street. You know, I have a good friend in town who's really active in the movement. And mm-hmm. He kept saying, you got to get your card, you got to get your card, and and we, you know, figured, well, yeah, maybe <laughs> I should. Um, but I've never really had a problem, you know. I mean, I I was playing in town hall in New York City about seven years ago with Olden and the Gray, the, the kind of Olden in the Way without uh, John Con and Jerry. Uh, and right in the middle of the show. A guy, a long-haired guy, comes marching down the center aisle with a lit joint. <laughs> it, at Town right Hall. And hands it to me. <laughs> right on stage. I kid you not. Wow. And in that moment, I said, well, what the hell? And I took a big hit and blew it up into the air and the place went nuts. I said, oh, no, what am I going to do with this thing? You know. And I had a spare mandolin uh, on a stand right in front of me and I just put it in in one of the F holes and you know, smoked the rest of it later that night. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, you know, um, you know, for me, uh, marijuana has been a, a great thing. You know? Does it, does it help you with, uh, the creative process or the I touring? I think it or? does. I think it does. I, I think, you know, as a record producer and doing what I do, I have to listen to the same tune over and over again, maybe, you know, if after a session, I got to go through all the takes and, and listen to them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it, it helps, um, I look at it as kind of a great leveler. It kind of, and, and traveling around a lot, you know, it just different places, different time zone, you know, kind of helps smooth everything over. You know, I, I think it's important to know when to draw the line. You know, I don't like to drive. You know, you have to be rational about it. I think the medical evidence is that, I mean, it's actually viewed as medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, medical marijuana you know it's it's uh so it it does have therapeutic value that's that's a known fact yeah it's if you want to call it a drug you know i suppose it's a drug you know so um i mean i take a baby aspirin every day too right and an aspirin can actually kill you whereas marijuana cannot well if you take enough aspirin you can you know yeah yeah, uh, but I think, uh, you know, I don't encourage uh, young people to, 
to become potheads, right. and I don't encourage them to become alcoholics either, or you know uh, any of the other hard drugs, which I I pretty much stay away from, you know, right? Um, totally, you know, uh, never ever gone near heroin, right? And, uh, you know, back in the olden in the way days, there was a lot of cocaine around. I'm sure, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, it just didn't uh, do all that much for me. And, I, you know, it was, it was too dangerous. I think, you know, like some kind of white powder, you don't know what you're getting. Sure, yeah. But, you know, if you look at a nice bud, you can smell it. You know, it's... it's you actually friendly. grew yourself. That's yeah, pretty you amazing. Yeah, yourself or, you know, um, you know, I've... You know, got some friends that, you know, have been growing pot for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, hey, it's a vegetable. Right. You know, how bad can, you know, of course, poppy seeds, you know, get turned into heroin. Um, hey, it's been part of my, um, uh, uh, part of my life for a long time. Was it something that you and Jerry shared an interest in when you were recording yeah, together? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, it, you know, he hardly ever brought anything to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so when I worked with Willie Nelson, I, I was the only guy in the band he let on the bus. Is that right? Yeah. And my so, friend Daryl Anger, you know, set up or he had, he made a, an album of a while back, uh, and he had Willie, he got Willie to play on it, and he wanted me to play on the same session, and he said, be sure and bring something, you know. So I'm sure that's probably how he got Willie to agree to it. Well, see, it opens doors, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, I appreciate, you know, um, the high times is, uh, it, hey, that's what freedom is about. Oh, we think so too, and we appreciate you and uh, your longevity and creativity and um, and people. Well, I appreciate you giving me this little podium to Absolutely. give me enough rope to hang myself. For. <laughs> <laughs> well, our listeners, you can learn more about uh, David Grisman, AcousticDisc dot com and AcousticOasis.com. Yeah, yeah, go check that out. You can uh, yeah. you'll find downloads there and tour dates. Is that right? Yeah, there every day there's a free download. You, you go there every day after a year, you'll have about 20 free CDs. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, David. I, I really sure, appreciate it. Thank you, Mike, it. and continued, you know, good luck with everything, and I hope to catch up with you in the future. Absolutely. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. Hey, everybody. So thanks for checking that out. I can't say uh, how wonderful it was to sit down and talk with uh, David Grisman for... Really, we talked for well over an hour, and uh, that was just a, a small sample of what we got into, but it was great to, to speak with him and get his take on a few things, to learn a little bit more about him. And uh, since, you know, Grisman played a great deal with Jerry Garcia, this week it's just been all about Jerry, remotely sort of. Um, our managing editor, Jen Bernstein, uh, got in on a conference call with Bob Weir, uh, formerly of the Grateful Dead, and uh, he was promoting... Something that's already passed, unfortunately, it was this Saturday, past Saturday, the 24th. Uh, it was called The Bridge Session, and it was Bob Weir playing with members of The National. And it was uh, also a roundtable discussion about politics uh, sponsored by Headcount.org, uh, which is Mark Ber uh, Brownstein from the Disco Biscuits organization. He started that. So uh, here's just three minutes of uh, Jen feeling Bob out on politics and pot. 
Hi, this is uh, Jen from High Times Magazine. I'm the managing editor here. And currently, I guess, uh, Mr. Weir, are you living in California? Yeah, I'm, I'm living in California. Okay, so you're a resident of California, and I know that in 2008 you performed as part of the Deadheads for Obama. Um, yeah, so currently there um, there's ballot measures in Colorado and Washington State to approve marijuana legalization. And so I guess my question to you, as somebody who lives in a medical marijuana state, is when voting, how do voters know or what kind of research can they do to, pre- to prepare um, to get the candidate that best represents what they want? Because I think what we've been seeing is, uh, even with Obama's, we're getting these empty promises. We've been let down. Uh, so how, how, how would you go about ensuring that people are voting for the best candidate possible? Well, okay, I think you go to their websites. You, you pay attention to what they say in the media. And, uh, and you know, the best way, to, of course, to do it is to go to one of their events and, and ask them in person if you can get that far with it um but if you can't then you do you, you roll up your sleeves and do a little bit of research and then you have to bear in mind that whatever they say uh, they may feel feel strongly about for instance uh, uh legalizing marijuana but when they get elected and they run into that goddamn ripsaw that the government uh, represents there's only so much they can do, no matter how they feel, no matter what they try to do. You know, I think uh, our boy Obama found that out in short order when he got elected back to uh, try to implement what he was running on. Sure. All the promises he was running on. Yeah, because I, I think in two different cases, you know, he just said, you know, rating of the dispensaries makes no sense and that it's not a good use of our resources. So even, you know, since then, he's, uh, you know, bared witness to what's happening in California. And, you know, we're talking about patients who want safe access to their medicine. And as far as marijuana and music goes, I think we all know that, you know, marijuana doesn't make music better. It heightens and it enhances the experience. Um, and I'm sure that's, I'm sure something you could speak about having, you know, been uh, <laughs> in the Grateful Dead. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, for me personally, marijuana doesn't heighten my performance because I've got arrangements and lyrics and stuff like that. If, if, if I smoke my silly brains out, a lot of that's out the window. I'm speaking as, as an individual here. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of take it easy on that re- in the, in that regard. But, you know, it's an individual matter uh, and something that people have to sort out for themselves and uh, and then find a candidate who uh, who represents their views once they sort out what their views are. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, you and know, obvi- obviously for us, it's all about, you know, getting the same <clears throat> message that you guys and Headcount are, are promoting, which is getting out and making sure that uh, votes count, which is the goal. That's so thank a, you very much. We appreciate everything you're doing. You bet. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Unfortunately, the, uh, the live simulcast of that particular event has passed. But if you want to learn more about headcount.org and all the great stuff they do, please go to their website. And if you want to check out clips of uh, Bob Weir playing with the National, they did uh, China Cat, Sunflower, the other one, they did Uncle John's Band. 
definitely worth checking out at TRI Studios. You could also look at music.yahoo.com and uh, give that a look. All right, Dan, so uh, we're going to take a little break, but everyone stick around for a, a big old cultivation segment, right? Absolutely. I didn't wake you up there, did I? <laughs> stick around, everyone. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORML. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us here. And now, without further ado, oh. here's Strain of the Week from the arrogant, the self-indulgent, the unapologetic Danny Danko. Dangerous Danny. Strain of the Week this week <laughs> is the Perps uh, from BC Bud Depot, available in seed form from them, but you know, well-known as a clone only for many years out there on the West Coast. So... Uh, what happened was at the 2004 Cannabis Cup, a uh, gentleman from BC Bud Depot was gifted the legendary Mendo Perps strain in clone form. So uh, he took that back to British Columbia, Canada, and started working, you know, back crossing to release stable seeds of this original and fantastic tasting clone only variety. So they put it out in seed form, and lo and behold, they won uh, third place in the Cannabis Cup Sativa in 2007. Uh, which got them into my High Times Top 10 Strains that year, 2007. And then two years later, they won third place again in the Sativa category. And this is the Seed Company Strain category. Very difficult to win. And so that Perps really did have, did maintain that flavor. And it's a really unique contribution to the cannabis gene pool uh, from California originally and now British Columbia. And now BC Bud Depot, they're in the Seed Bank Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, absolutely. They're in the Seed Bank Hall of Fame, and you know they've had a number of different successes. And they also won with uh, the BC Godbud, which is another great strain from that stable. Uh, and I'm just going to read this directly from my book. The perps will yield copious dark nuggets with tremendous bag appeal and an uplifting high that will have you begging for more of Mendocino's finest by way of British Columbia. Joints of perps exhibit an almost impossibly candied flavor all the way down to the roach, and dry toques reveal notes of black cherry, currants, and chamomile. BC Bud Depot strikes again with boutique pot for the true aficionado. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about perps. It's going to finish in eight weeks. It's going to have that beautiful coloring and that really sweet candy flavor and smell. And so if you're looking for that, check out the perps from BC Bud Depot. And how would uh, people get a hold of them? What, what could they do? So for more information, definitely check out bcbuddepot.com. You'll see a list of all their award-winning strains, uh, stuff like BC Big Bud, uh, BC Chronic, BC Cheese, Kush, all kinds of strains there. And so check them out at BC and Bud And, of course, Depot. the perps. So there you go. That was perps. strain of the week. And uh, you know what? At this point, uh, we would usually do a cultivation tip. 
But we have a little something different for the listeners this week, right? Yeah. Instead of the cultivation segment, I thought we would bring back our popular drug testing segment with associate publisher Rick Cusick. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Rick, welcome to the studio. Hey, thanks very much for having me back on Free Weed, Dan. Um, cool. I hear, uh, I hear there's been sort of a resurgence now in drug yeah. testing. Yeah, there has been in the past, uh, in the past couple of months. Among many of the state houses and such things like that, they're coming up with laws. They want to be able to drug test people in order to qualify for welfare benefits. They want to drug test people in order to qualify for unemployment benefits. And there's even a, uh, a bill within the House right now to drug test uh, people uh, in order to get public monies. doesn't have much chance of passing, but there's definitely a full-court press going on right now. Wow. Okay. Well... We're going to provide people with information here, so I guess what's the best way to beat a drug test? What's the best way to beat a drug test? Everybody knows the answer to that. The best way to beat a drug test is abstinence. Abstinence? What's that? What's abstinence? Abstinence is when you don't smoke marijuana so that when you piss, your piss is clean and you can pass a drug test. All you got to do is not smoke marijuana. Okay, I see your lips moving, but I don't quite understand what you're saying. <laughs> it doesn't really sit well with me either, Dan. I don't think we're heading down that path very well. Abstinence is probably the best way to beat a drug test, but it is probably the least desirable way to beat a drug test. In fact, there's a lot of different ways to beat a drug test. You've got to understand it's all about pee. The first thing you've got to do is drink water. You say a drug test coming up. Most people are drug tested in this country when they get a job. Okay, at the point of your employment, they say, pee into a cup. Well, as much time before that moment, you want to drink water and you want to drink it regularly because it'll dilute your urine naturally and make it easier to mask when the time comes. And then if you actually find out you're going to go get that job and you need to take a drug test on Thursday, well, you've got to stay away from smoking weed at least three days if you're going to use some of the products that are out there. There's different products, but here's the real deal. You really do, with one major exception, you really do have to stay away from weed for three, four days. The longer you take between the time you get high and you unzip your fly, the better chances you have of passing your drug test. Um, So drink lots of water as a rule every day just for shits and grins. And uh, there'll be less to do when it comes time to take your test. And when it comes time to take your test, you got some choices. You can go with a dilution. Dilute your urine so that it breaks it up so that the, the amount of THC in your urine falls beneath what they're looking for. So there's a lot of different ways to dilute your urine. Um, you can... Uh, buy drinks, you can have pills, you can have powders, you can have teas. They're all for sale on the web. They're all for sale in High Times magazine. You'll, say, you'll find them there. You'll find them on www.hightimes.com. And uh, you have to put at least 72 hours between smoking pot and taking one of these dilution products before they're going to be effective for you. Now, a little bit more, maybe you don't have 72 hours. Maybe you haven't got that. What are you going to do? Substitution. 
You got to take some clean pee. And when they're not looking, you got to substitute it. You're going to pee into a cup, or you want to pour into that cup somebody else's clean pee. Or you can buy clean urine. Again, you go to hightimes.com, you go to High Times Magazine, it's all available on the web. We're not suggesting that people do this. We're just explaining. Hey, you know, are, this I've is what we've seen. I've been working in our... a long time. I've never had to take a drug test. I'm just telling you, this <laughs> well, is what people heard. out in the real world are doing. Right. And right. I know that's for a fact because uh, we've been dealing with these. Uh, right. We hear from them every day. Years, yeah, so right. we hear from them every day. So, um, and but, I mean, there's, there's, you know, so many various reasons why people uh, have to take those tests. So, yeah, and so, and most of them are are full of shit. You know, most of them have to do with them, you know, looking into your privacy and telling you whether or not you're going to go work. In a video store, or right? A like blockbuster. That. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not <laughs> happening anymore. But fifty percent of the American workers are job tested at some point in their employment, usually at the point of employment. And the companies themselves that do the drug testing uh, of their employees benefit by having small, uh, smaller insurance rates and things like smaller that. Smaller insurance rates. In some cases, they actually have to have those drug test regimes inside their companies because they're going after government contracts. And the government says if you're going to be able to do this, you have to have a drug – you have to have a, um, a drug-free – Workplace in order to get those federal contracts. Um, I want to let's get back mention, to beating these tests. Yeah, the beating the test. Okay, <laughs> now you talk about drinking water and you talk about dilutions with your pills and your powders and your drinks and then substitutions. You get clean urine from That's somebody. That's like the monkey dong, our sponsor. That's well, a, no, no, we're coming up to that. What I'm saying drunk. is, the substitutions is you get, you get a little vial here, and when the guy's not looking, you put the clean urine in the cup instead of the, the dirty urine that's in that's uh, in your bladder. But what really is a work of genius are the devices. You all know them. You know, you've heard of the Wiznator, you've heard of the Urinator, and the new one on the market, my favorite one is the Monkey Dong. Right. The Monkey Dong is coming up, and this is basically a, a fake penis. It's a fake prosthetic, and it has uh, the substitution urine inside it. It's basically a very sophisticated way of doing substitutions. But the thing about that is, unlike... Taking some pills three, four hours before your test, unlike drinking some water three, four hours before your test, you got to actually go to your test and you got to fake pulling out a fake prosthetic and urinating through it. So basically, they'll supply the dick, but you got to bring the balls. That's what it comes <laughs> down to. All right? Wow. So I really, really, and, and the best thing about the devices. Remember, you can go to your drug test stoned by using the monkey dong or the Wiznator or the urinator or some such device. All right. And now how does it work? Well, basically, it's a, uh, um, a tube with, that heats up to a certain degree. And they have a uh, – inside the tube uh, – outside the tube, rather, is a, uh, a penis. And they come in various colors. And they, they only come in one size. And uh, they, bas- they basically, um, uh, it, if they're looking really close at you, really close at you, then they probably can tell. But if they're looking really close at you, I think you've got another issue besides a drug test going on right there. You know what I'm saying? Now, for every advance that the drug test companies come up with, the drug test solution companies so far has kept pace and come up with a similar advance. And uh, I just think that uh, it's a cat and mouse game. Right now, the cats are out there and they're paroling, they're patrolling. And we, as smart stoners, have to know what's going on. If you need to 
get out of a drug test, the first thing you got to do is start drinking some water. Second thing you got to do is go to hightimes.com or pick up a copy of High Times and look for the drug test solutions that are available throughout those media. Now, how much trouble can you get into if you get caught with this monkey dong? Oh, with the monkey dong. Well, you know, I mean, if you're only going for your job, you're not going to get the job, that's for sure. Um, the, uh, a lot of people use the monkey dong for illegal reasons, and a lot of sports figures use it for something that has nothing to do with pot or anything like that, but more having to do with, you know, steroid use and such. So uh, the, the uh, Wizenator, the monkey dong is there was infamous. A, there was a famous case of some, uh, who was it? Uh, Michael Vick, I think, got caught at the airport with a Wizenator. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, a lot a of number major of pro athletes. Yeah, Maradona, who is a, a major uh, Maradona, yeah. uh, a major soccer player in Italy, got tossed out of Italy because he, he got, was caught using the uh, Wizenator. And when he went over to Brazil, they actually put the... Uh, the Wizenator in the Matadonia Museum, the Traveling <laughs> Matadonia Museum. Yeah. Uh, Diego but, uh, yeah, it's a very famous device, and, uh, and it, it works. Um, but like I said, you have to have it's a whole new level of, uh, of um, courage that you have to bring to the table in order to make that, that sucker work. Wow. But uh, you've got to remember that drug testing, 20, 30 years ago, nobody could have been drug tested in this country. It was thought to be a violation of our rights. And slowly but surely, they brought us down the slippery slope until now 50% of American workers are drug tested, about 15% of our middle and high school student uh, athletes and extracurricular activity students are drug tested. Um, and uh, they're trying to get more people right now. The drug test companies and the uh, drug warriors are on the prowl uh, looking for your pee. So... Cool. Well, I apologize. It wasn't Michael Vick. It was Ontario Smith, and apparently they, are, they auctioned his uh, Wizenator as well, along with uh, putting Diego Maradona's on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, the stuff of legend. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I want to thank you for letting test. me come back on and thank giving you. this really valuable information to our listeners. Remember, drug testing is an aberration of your rights. They have no right to do it. They think they do. You know what you got to do? You got to get out of that drug test any way you can. Wow. Thank you, Rick Cusick. And thank you to our sponsor for this segment, Monkey Dong. Yes, Monkey Dong. Once again, uh, you've seen all the rest. Now it is time to buy the best. Monkey Dong is the highest quality strap-on urinating device on the market, Danko. Wow. It won't break your budget either. With prices lower than any of the competition, the Monkey Dong uses a unique valve that controls the flow of urine with a simple squeeze, just like the real thing. <laughs> Ready to use right out of the box, the Monkey Dong comes with heating pads, over three and a half ounces of the highest quality synthetic urine in the industry, and an elastic belt that fits up to a 54-inch waist, so don't worry about that. Yeah, Monkey Dong, uh, you must be 18 years of age to place an order. Uh, for this device. You could be older. You have to be at least 18 to get right. the monkey dong. You don't have to just be 18. You could be old, any, 18 or older. And uh, the products are not to be used for any illegal purposes. So you can find out all, a lot of information about this product at SeriousMonkeyBusiness.com. That's SeriousMonkey, B-I-Z-Z-N-E-S-S. Uh, or give them a call toll-free at 800 936 one zero seven zero. Uh, they got Twitter and Facebook and everything, but check out their website, seriousmonkeybusiness.com, and you'll see uh, a lot of the information there about the product. And so check them out, Monkey Dong. Yeah, it's a great product. I'm wearing one right now. 
<laughs> I, go, I don't go anywhere without this thing. It's amazing. Uh, all right. What do you say we move on and uh, answer some questions from our listeners? Let's do it. All right, guys. Once again, uh, you can reach out and get your question answered on this show. Hit us up on Twitter, at Danny Danko, at MyQs underscore, and uh, both of us, hashtag free weed. Let's jump right in. At Joymex writes, I noticed on your germination video, you put the newly planted seeds in a grow box. I've always heard to put them in a dark, warm place. Uh, he must be referring to the brilliant video the two of us made on uh, <laughs> popping seeds, your germination video. Yeah, what do you yeah. say? Well, you know, technically he's right. A, a dark, warm place will work just as good as a lit, warm place because the plant's not really receiving light at that moment in order to germinate. But we use that grow room because it's warm in there due to the light. So we basically use the heat of the bulb to coax the uh, – you know, the seedling. And then that way, you know, if it pops in the middle of the night and it, and it grows an inch or so uh, in that first big burst, at least it's got some light right off the bat. Like if you don't catch the germination right off the bat in order to put it under light, you might as well start it under light. But it, technically, yeah, you can, you can start plants, uh, you know, seeds under no light. And then once they pop open and have that first uh, set of leaves, then they need to be definitely placed under a light as, as soon as possible. Well, I guess the, the, over, uh, the overall question here is, does having light while you're popping the seeds hurt them at all? Having It, it um, doesn't hurt them. It, it, can't hurt, it can't really hurt them except if it dries out the medium. You know, if it dries out the medium, then uh, it'll hurt them. But if it provides enough warmth just to get the plant, uh, the seed to pop open, then it's fine. All right, great. Well, thanks very much, at Joymix. Uh, next question... All our questions today are from Twitter. iSticky underscore 28K writes, I need a vacation spot with the best strains. Can you help me out, Danny Danko? Huh. Wow. Vacation spot. Well, if you're going overseas, I would recommend, of course, Amsterdam because uh, you've got a wide variety of choices there of many, many strains from all over. And if you go to the right places, you really can't go wrong. Uh, there's some amazing, amazing strains there. Uh, as well as a lot of different types of hash as well. Uh, Spain has got to be on the list because they are just growing amazing amounts of bud and uh, making hash, and they have their private cannabis clubs. But pretty much anywhere you go, uh, Barcelona or Madrid, uh, Basque Country we talked about earlier, those places are very cannabis-friendly. Madrid less so, but all over Spain people grow uh, people have tons of hash you know, at their disposal. Not literally tons, but you know, a lot of it. So yeah, Spain would be on the list. I would definitely place Jamaica on there. It's not the most amazing, you know, kind bud, uh, always, but if you get up in the Hills and you get a good guide and you get somebody that understands, uh, your needs, uh, you can find people in Jamaica growing some of the finest strains and some of the local Jamaican sativas are, aren't, too shabby at all when they're grown naturally and properly and not dried in the sun and, and some of the older traditions that they have. So yeah, my understanding about Jamaica is you have to be a little careful about what you buy. Like you might be offered something right off the bat that's not right. super high quality, but you can find the good stuff. And it's sort of like a pilgrimage that Pothead should make, I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. I mean, you visit, uh, you know, Bob Marley's birthplace and the museum and uh, just a, a lot. There's a ton of great stuff to to visit in Jamaica. Um, the key is just to have a, a guide that, un, you know, that's not a scam artist and someone that's going to uh, treat you right. Uh, 
Which I mean, is good advice for any foreign country you absolutely. go to. You know, you, you don't want to get ripped off anywhere you go. Yeah. I almost got pickpocketed in, I think, your next uh, destination here. Where is that? Denver? Uh, oh, we talked about oh, Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going to have to cut that then because <laughs> uh, I wasn't listening at all to you. As far as uh, – <laughs> okay. all right. Well, when we cut that, we'll start from Actually, here. we're not going to cut it. We're going to leave it in. Right, well, I want then... everyone at home to know that I don't listen to you when we do these things. Okay, Let's move on. I did get almost pickpocketed in Amsterdam though. Or other strange spots that uh, you know you could visit uh, stateside. I would say Denver has just an amazing quality of strains, great growers. Um, the altitude may may or may not have something to do with it, but there's just some amazing bud, amazing concentrates being made in Denver. So I highly recommend it, and it's just a a beautiful part of the country as well. And we get to go there very soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there April 21st and 22nd for the High Times Medical Cannabis Cup. And we'll also be there April 20th, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah I mean, to me, that's the epicenter these days of, of 420, and just to be there for the first time for me is going to be exciting. I'm, I'm psyched. Uh, another, another domestic place, I would say, is uh, Northern California, and then I would narrow that down to maybe Sebastopol, some, like a nice, you know, Nice town near the water, beautiful, uh, great wine, great cannabis, uh, a great vibe, a wonderful place to just turn off your phone and your computer and really just enjoy the vibrations of the earth and uh, the waves that come in there and, and the surf. And yeah, Sebastopol is a, a always on my mind. Some beautiful towns in Northern Cali. I got to shout yeah, out yeah. Half Moon Bay. Actually, I love D- it up there. Sebastopol. DJ Jacques-Lac too is, uh, is out there. So Shouts to DJ Jacques. Very cool. All right, well, there are some options for you. Uh, iSticky underscore 28K. I hope um, you're able to find a good vacation spot, and I hope we might have helped there. Uh, next question comes from Smile High City. Uh, Danny Danko Smile is... Smile High City. Smi- is that bad, Denver? Right? Yeah, I would yeah. assume that that's either Denver or a happy place that is also high. Alma. Smile High. Anyway... Um, at Denny Denko is flushing with PhD water for two weeks too long. PhD water, huh? Yeah, I think the smile high means PhD water. There's no apostrophe yeah. there, but because that would be some smart water right there. Yeah, <laughs> PhD water would be the, the smartest water, but I believe he means P, or he or she means PhD uh, water, which would I guess mean pH balanced, uh, meaning the time that you're doing the flushing. So the bottom line is, is flushing with that pH water for two weeks too long. And then it actually says, uh, hashtag hydroponics, hashtag DWC, which is a great way, uh, to narrow down the question as well as put little hashtags as far as, you know, what particular way of growing you're talking about, because with soilless Mix and soil, I would recommend two weeks flushing for sure because there's a lot of uh, buildup there. With hydroponics, especially deep water culture where there's a ton of oxygen, just a ton of uh, you know nutrients floating around in the air when you're growing, but they're very easily leached off. I would say a week of a flush with deep water culture is plenty. Otherwise, you're going to start to see uh, nutrient deficiencies uh, actual real deficiencies at a time when you really don't want them to be that, uh, that low. So I would say one week to maybe 10 days with deep water culture and that, yeah, two weeks may be a little too long with that particular way of growing hydroponically, which is deep water culture buckets, five gallon buckets or larger with, uh, a ton of aeration inside the buckets for tremendous root growth. 
All right, very good. And uh, thank you at Smile High City. And as Dan mentioned, you know, the more information you give him, the better he can kind of lock in on exactly how to answer your questions. So that's yeah. very helpful. Thank you for that. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of Twitter, I want to shout out Paul Gerald at Paul uh, Gerald, G-A-R-R-E-L-L-3. Uh, this gentleman uh, is a listener, and he actually bought 20 CD-ROMs and burned copies of Freeweed. Episodes 1 through 18, giving them to uh, grower friends of his that are completely off the grid. And apparently even made some uh, cassette tapes, taped over some old, uh, uh, some old Neil Diamond cassette tapes and put the show on there for people. And I think that's amazing. He said these people are in the sticks. They really don't have access to uh, internet and, and, and wouldn't know how to make a podcast or listen to a podcast. So shout out to him. Coincidentally, we don't know how to make a podcast either. But, um, <laughs> that may be so, I, but we're how, learning, how man. You know that we're he, hitting our how stride. How did you know it was uh, Neil Diamond stuff? Oh, he, he told bur- me. He told me oh, on Twitter. He's a big fan. We're going to send him a t-shirt. Uh, sadly, he told me it's a, a, a 3X and we only have larges, but I'll send it out and maybe uh, he can at least give them out to somebody or whatever. Thank you very much, uh, Paul Gerald. We we do appreciate Thanks that. Thanks to all Thank our Twitter, for the Twitter army, man. You guys are awesome. You yeah. guys are constantly retweeting and tweeting. But we really do appreciate little things like that, getting the word out to people who may not be able to tune into the show. So that's a very cool move, and uh, I think both Dan and I, uh, we, we'd like to thank you for that. Yeah. So that does it for the uh, the Q&A. But again, please do send your questions in to Dan, uh, at Danny Danko. Uh, hashtag freeweed and of course our lovely email address freeweed at hightimes.com um, anything else you got nah man let's uh, let's go into that uh, BC yeah let's Northern talk about BC app. a little bit you guys if you're interested in a grow box you can't go wrong with BC Northern Lights these guys build them from scratch and they've got they've won a ton of our stash awards over the years bloom box the producer the mothership the nursery um, you know, their slogan is give a man a bud. He smokes for a day, Tre- teach a man to grow. He smokes for life. And that's kind of the same outlook we have here at Freeweed. So please check, check out bcnorthernlights.com. Call 888-236-1266. You can talk to these guys any time of day. You can get quotes on what these products are. If you mention Freeweed from high times, you can get free shipping. Actually, I spoke to Taryn just recently. He says, you can get a year's worth of nutrients absolutely free if you mention free weed. This is a new thing that he instituted just for this episode. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep doing it, but just tell them free weed sent you and get that awesome deal. Free nutrients for a full year and free shipping on these boxes, which are incredible. So bcnorthernlights.com, 888-236-1266. Check them out. Oh, wow. Okay, man. You guys, what a show. Episode 19. The issue on newsstands now is our May issue, High Times Magazine, Strongest Strains on Earth, an incredible article by Nico Escondido. Very groundbreaking. We're hoping to have him on the show next week to actually talk to us about the strongest strains, uh, what makes them strong, how did they get so strong, what uh, parts of the country have the strongest strains, and he used a lot of lab results and stuff for that, so we're excited about that. It's a very comprehensive article. It's a really interesting subject, and actually there's a cool video on HighTimes.com which uh, shows a few of those selections that Nico had, so yeah. check that out. Yeah, check that out at HighTimes.com. Definitely get the issue. Don't let, the, don't let print die, guys. 
And uh, yeah, shout out and thank you to David Grisman, amazing, amazing musician, and Bob Weir, a Grateful Dead family. That's that's just amazing that we could have uh, have him pontificating on cannabis on the Free Weed Show. Thank you also to Rick Cusick talking about drug testing and uh, and all that it entails. Thank you to Normal. Thank you to Custom Herbal Papers. Get your own rolling papers with your own designs. Uh, thank you to Monkey Dong for helping people. Yes. Thank you. Thank you to BC Northern Lights. Thank you to BC Northern Lights. You guys have been a stalwart sponsor. Get your grow yeah, boxes. Man, BC's been in it to win it. Guys, get some BC grow boxes. Come get on. Your grow, they got drying boxes too. You're get actually that. wearing a BC Northern Lights hoodie right now. I am. That's really I weird. Am. Actually. I rock it I with pride. That. I rock it with pride. Very nice. DJ Jacques Winstrong, thank you again for the wonderful tune. Take it away. And thank you very much for being with us on episode 19, Free Weed. <laughs> oh, the girls. Oh, and that caterwauling, that caterwauling ladies and gentlemen, is in honor of a very special guest we have today. And I knew without asking she That's was part into of that. the blues. <laughs> Things have gotten a little out of control, but uh, we do have Bob Weir, our very, own, our very own Jen Bernstein. The cute one. Hi, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where's Jer Bear?